Hello, boxing fight fans around the world. Thank you for joining us on another episode featuring Christian from the Friday Night Panel as he discusses the Olympics, especially boxing, to take place this July in Tokyo. And what do you have for us today, Christian? Well, we've got a few things on the go today, not just the Olympics, but also there's some big tournaments that are going to be happening on either side of the Olympics that we're going to discuss a little bit today as well. So to start off, though, uh, the Hong Kong government has acquired broadcast rights to July's Tokyo Olympics. Now, they're doing this in order to allow their citizens to watch the games for free, which is a bit of a departure for them, so that they can cheer for athletes from Hong Kong as well as mainland China. Now, this was just announced today. The games will now be shown free of charge on free-to-air channels as well as television broadcasters. Hong Kong's commercial broadcasters last year had failed to reach a deal with licensor Dentsu, citing the high cost of rights as well as their own financial difficulties after this being after the games were postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The rights issue had been left unsettled at that point, and this is why the government stepped in. Now, the cost of this deal has not been disclosed, and the government said that the fees will be refunded in the event that the games end up getting canceled. The city's chief executive, Carrie Lam, said that this unprecedented use of taxpayer money was prompted by the authorities' mandate to promote sports. She also uh, blamed anti-government protests in 2019 and 2020, as well as the coronavirus, for weakening broadcasters' finances and stressing that this is a one-off special case. Broadcasters will be required to air all events that involve Hong Kong athletes, and pay channels will be required to show uh, the games, any games content in an unencrypted form so that the public can have full access to the event and support athletes, again, both from Hong Kong and, and China. So things are opening up a little bit there. So uh, our friends in Hong Kong are going to get a bit, of, a bit of a better chance to see at least their locals and anything that uh, involves them. So that'll, that'll go a little bit uh, for them, hopefully, to step to a little bit more transparency. But looking uh, after the games are done, right on the, the tail end of the games, uh, we've got the men's uh, world championships that will be coming up as well. So we heard from Istvan Kovac, uh, Secretary General of the International Boxing Association, AIBA, you guys know. Uh, and he has said that AIBA Men's World Boxing Championship later this year in Belgrade is going to raise the bar significantly for sport in the region. After visiting the Balkan Boxing Championships, which took place in Zagreb, uh, Croatia, he met with the uh, leadership of the national federations of that region. Now, Kovac uh, spoke of his confidence in the success of the championships, which AIBA announced will take place in the Serbian capital, uh, running from October 26th of this year through to November the 6th. He said, we had a fruitful discussion on the current situation of boxing development in the region. I appreciate the efforts, <clears throat> pardon me, that the Balkan presidents and secretaries generals do to keep boxing in the region at such a high level. What's more, I believe that AIBA Men's World Boxing Championships in Serbia will raise the bar significantly. AIBA's reform process is in a good way, which is noticeable for the national federations. We will help them on a daily basis to ensure that, the pro that there is progress in each country. AIBA's flagship tournament uh, which follows last month's staging of the AIBA Youth World Championships in Poland, will are, is going to be a milestone in the boxing calendar this year with the best athletes set to compete from around the world. And again, keeping in mind that this is going to be right on the tail end of the Olympics. So we're going to be seeing a few, uh, hopefully a few grudge matches by the time we get to uh, this particular uh, tournament based on some things that we saw at the Olympics. 
Now, the upcoming uh, uh, upon confirmation of the dates uh, for this tournament, AIBA president Umar Kremlev expressed his desire for boxing to continue developing despite the challenging situation with COVID-19, saying, we should be united like never before during these challenging times and give our athletes opportunity to perform at the highest level. The AIBA Men's World Boxing Championships will show our determination to provide a platform for boxers all around the world to achieve their full potential. We have full confidence that the tournament will be conducted safely given our successful implementation of COVID-19 countermeasures throughout the course of this year. The progress AIBA has made and will continue to make from a reform perspective will be evident at the World Championships. We are pl placing significant emphasis on improving the transparency of our sport as well as our governance. We have already at this point implemented open scoring after each round, and this is only the beginning. We will transform we will transform our rules for the benefit of boxers as well as to as well as to making things clearer for spectators. The world championships will be a real celebration of the sport of boxing. So this is going to be the first uh, edition of the AIBA Men's World Boxing Championships since it was hosted in uh, Ekaterinburg, Russia back in 2019. Uh, Belgrade itself, which last hosted this tournament in uh, the men's tournament in 1978, was awarded this year's edition of the tournament just in April after AIBA stripped New Delhi of uh, its hosting rights. Now, it was claimed at the time that uh, the Boxing Federation of India had not paid the hosting fees required as part of the host city agreement. In retrospect, however, I would have to kind of say that uh, even if this was due to be held in Delhi, much like the Asian championships, I think we would probably be seeing this uh, rescheduled, if not uh, relocated. Just given the current situation, uh, things I think the AIB would probably be taking those steps to distance themselves from what's going on in Delhi, even recognizing that this wasn't due to take place until October. But another tournament, now that's on the tail end of our Olympic Games that we like to talk about here. But before we get to the Olympic Games, we've still got the Asian World uh, Champion, sorry, the Asian Championships happening. So we've heard today that the uh, Iranian Boxing Federation is planning on sending eight male competitors to the ASBC Asian Elite Boxing Championships, including two of their Olympic quota holders, Daniel uh, Shakbash, as well as Saeed Shaheen Musavi. Um, now, they are currently training at Uzbekistan's national training camp located in, uh, in uh, Yanjiabad in a mountain area which they claim is perfect for athletes' physical conditioning. And to be fair, many national teams have, have visited uh, that training camp in recent years to train uh, with the strong Uzbeks, such as the Cubans, the English, the Kazakhs, as well as the Hungarians, and taking advantage of that one. And I've been telling you guys to watch out for the Uzbeks once we get to the games as well. So Iran, uh, so Iranian boxers ranked 16th in the medal table at Bangkok 2019, which was the last ASBC Asian Elite Boxing Championships with just one bronze. So their goal at the upcoming Dubai 2021 edition is going to be to reach a better performance level and to prove that the uh, performance, to prove that the uh, the new implementation that they've done in their program has uh, has paid off because they've been bragging a bit about that one. Also at this tournament. Uh, this is a, bit, a little bit bigger than them. Is uh, Umar Marshall is set to return to amateur boxing in a little just with just a little two months before the Olympics. 
So according to the Association of Boxing Alliances of the Philippines, ABAP for short, sec that's Secretary General Ed Pixon, the Filipino fighter is committed to joining the Asian Elite Championships in Dubai. So while uh, Marshall returned to his hometown of uh, Zambonga uh, after training in Los Angeles in a professional setting since uh, just this past October, so three other boxers who have qualified for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, Irish Magno, Neddy Patecchio, and Carlos, uh, sorry, Carlo Palam, are training at the Thailand National Sports Center in uh, Moklek since March 2021. Now, these three boxers, unfortunately, are not going to be able to participate in the, in the Dubai tournament. Uh, now, this is going to do entirely due to quarantine uh, protocols that they would have to go through between Thailand and, uh, and Dubai. Uh, ABAP assured that uh, Marshall will be training with the rest of the team in Thailand after the elite tournament, saying, we are happy that he said that he is going to go to Thailand. We appreciate that, but we're hoping that he is doing well in, in Zambonga. Uh, where he is training under ABAP coach Jensen Nides and sparring with his cousin. Now, you guys may remember that uh, he's been training as part of uh, Manny Pacquiao Productions in L.A. for the last little while, and there had been some question as to whether or not he was going to be joining the national team at all, initially uh, wanting to stay in the U.S. right up until the Olympics themselves and could continue training there, I believe, with Eddie Roach. So, and the national team had been trying to get him back and it had been kind of this big juggling match where they said, no, you send a coach over to the U.S. And they said, okay, we'll do that. But then the coach couldn't get a visa into the U.S. So they've sorted it all out. He's back in the Philippines at this point and he'll be moving himself over to uh, after, well, after Dubai, he'll be rejoining uh, everyone in Thailand. And that's where they will run out the clock before the actual games start off themselves. But that's it from around the rings this morning, Graham. Uh, that fits into the category of wow, that was a great report, Christian. I mean, <laughs> we've got uh, we've I'm, we've got stuff coming on either side of the Olympics. I know we get bogged down with uh, the Olympics themselves, but remember, we've got big boxing happening on either side. I uh, just only have a small thought, and that is with respect mm -hmm. to broadcasting during COVID. You would think that the broadcast rights would be actually expensive, seeing you have, shall we say, a captured audience sitting on their couches doing nothing. I mean, what? Well, I don't doubt that they. I don't doubt that, that they are. Uh, but the problem is, is everything else has been slowed down, so broadcasters aren't making money. So they never reached a deal when everything got pushed back. Uh, the oh, first time they were still in negotiations when the games themselves got pushed back, and this was unresolved as to who was going to have those rights. Everybody's saying they're broke because you have to remember in Hong Kong, especially before COVID even happened, they were having the rounds of Hong Kong was basically shut down due to uh, ongoing protests. So due to those protests and everything else that was going on, broadcasters saying well, we're out, we're out of money here and we don't know what to do, which is why the government at this point has stepped in to uh, to say we're, we're going to cover the costs on this one, assuming that the games go forward. And that's why they stress that this is a one off. Because those rights, I guarantee you, are still expensive. But now it's this point, it's the government paying for it as opposed to, um, you know, the local broadcasters or advertisers. Just all comes down to who's going to pick up the bill. Absolutely. And all, all I would argue is, as with all things, the consumer picks up the bill. Um Oh yeah, and like you, but like you said as well, and our producer chimed in uh, quietly there. We have all been stuck on our couches for a year at this point, which means if it's on TV, we've probably seen it. 
So, you know, I'm not sure uh, what, you know, what the big equivalent is in, in South Asia for Netflix. I know there is Netflix as well, but I'm sure there's local streaming services as well. And, you know, those who have access to Internet and television and things like that who have been quarantining, I'm sure they're no different than us. We've run through everything we're seeing a couple of times on Netflix by now over the course of the last year. So Big T just popped in here with a question asking, uh, you know, actually stating rather correctly that our friends in Asia and Europe as well as Africa have been pretty committed to getting involved with some uh, big tournaments in the run-up to uh, to the games. And it wants to know if we feel that we're at a bit of a disadvantage. I would say absolutely. Um, the Canadians, for sure. I know in the U.S. they're still boxing locally. There was a Golden Gloves tournament that took place uh, down in Texas not long ago. So they're still holding a lot of regional stuff uh, in the U.S. at least. But I know most of uh, what's going on in you know Brazil, Argentina, and places like that that are currently large hotspots, you know, everything's ground to a halt, and you're just basically relying on your national training camps at this point in time. So, yeah, we, we're definitely – because, I mean – we're, we're sitting at home, basically, uh, as far as our national team is concerned. Uh, the Montreal camp got uh, disbanded early, and they've sent, uh, I know we talked a little while ago, some of our boxers have been sent back home to Kitchener and uh, Nova Scotia and places like that. So, yeah, absolutely a bit of a disadvantage. A disadvantage. You know, you can do so much with training camps. Uh, you can do some great sparring against your own teammates, against sparring partners. If you're lucky enough to be in a training camp where you do uh, – there are multiple uh, – Olympic committees at a training camp, like uh, say in Thailand right now where our Filipino friends are, they're getting a chance to spar against opponents from other countries as well. And while it's not quite, you know, and that's helpful, that's great, it's still not competition. It's still, it's still sparring, and that's the difference between the pillow fights that we talk about with Tyson these days and actual professional matches as well. Sparring is not actual competing. So anyone who is in a position to be competing you know, obviously leaving enough time for recovery, both mental and physical uh, afterwards, but uh, or in the run up to the games. But anyone who is competing this month or the beginning of next month is going to have an advantage over those who are just stuck in training camps. I mean, that's just it's just the truth. You know, obviously, barring any uh, barring any injuries, of course. I think it opens up the possibility for, uh, shall we say, wild cards at the Olympics. Uh, people who we may not have had on the radar because of the lack of tournaments. Uh, in days gone by, we would have seen great Cubans come out of the blue who we've never even heard of and uh, beat the heck out of, for example, Canadians. Uh, well, it's because they yeah. would have been training in, in Russia with the Soviets at that time. You know. <laughs> okay, that's one way. You may, not have, you may not have heard of them, but they were training. They've been training with the Soviets since the 60s. So I mean, one I'm of the reasons the Cubans have always been so good in, in this sport. I'm just simply saying, so for those South American countries that we we may we may have been normally following in the run-up to the Olympics, but we're not following because of the lack of tournaments, that's not to say that they're not training, and that's not to say that they don't have any sleepers who may be wild cards at the Olympics. That's all I'm saying. No, no, but that but added disadvantage for the lack of uh, participation in, in yeah. tournaments. I mean, that's something we've been discussing a little bit with uh, with the Indian team, with them, you know, trying to get to tournaments and that not that shut down. They get to a tournament, three people get COVID and they have to go, they get shut down again. So they haven't been able to compete as a unit kind of thing. They've been able to send a couple of people here, a couple of people there over the last few tournaments, even though they're trying to compete. You, you see what can happen to you, and I don't think we're going to see the competitive edge from them that we normally would have seen at this Olympics either. 
and and you know what would be interesting last point sorry um, but i'm just thinking about mexico most of the mexicans that we've spoken to say there's no money in amateur boxing anyway so most incredibly talented teenagers you'll find entering the pro ranks and it's quite a common thing to do because there are so many professional tournaments being held at a local level in mexico so even though they have a great fighting heritage I wouldn't see them putting forward a huge Olympic team anyway, uh, because the vast majority of their very talented amateur fighters quickly enter the professional ring. Well, I, I think you're going to get that top, top tier percent is always going to be part of the national team because, you know, in, especially in, in countries like that, if you are at the top, top of your game, you are funded. Okay. Uh, so they're going to be taking the top, top, but if you're even just below the very top, yeah, you're, you're turning pro because there's no money in it there is money in it if you are an olympian there's money in because you're going to be you're going to have your training subsidized you're going to have things like subsidized rent and things like that especially uh, down in south america you know you're going to have some there, there'll be some bonuses to the fact that you're doing this and also you're going to get that exposure that we keep talking about that translates into better fights when you go pro because you've already got that resume it's like being an actor and be able to you know Anyone who's ever been nominated goes Academy Award nominated, even if they didn't win, they stick that in front of the name on movie previews. True. Olympic, Olympian, Olympic boxer, as opposed to just boxer, goes a long way uh, on on that resume and getting you those fights. But if you're not at the very top tier of that, then then it's no point in you struggling at that point to try to get through into an Olympic spot when you could have just gone pro at some of these smaller tournaments. And yes. You're not going to be making, you know, you're not going to be seeing Alvarez money, but you can start actually earning a living at, in boxing at a younger age without trying to get into a larger tournament like the Olympics. Unfortunately. Right on. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you very much for uh, viewers out in uh, the UK and Europe. They're commenting a lot, I see, um, which is good. We thank you for that those comments are awesome um anything to say to that last comment that just popped up christian it's it's uh, interesting Keyshawn, it's out of the u.s team it's, it's not uh, like yeah, well, it's not it's not it's not i was just gonna say it's not like the u.s has any shortage of amateur fighters wow that's a huge country uh but at the end of the day uh, we're not going to know until June exactly how this new criteria is going to roll out because they're they're not going to uh, they're not going to announce it till June what the final rankings are and as we know there's currently some legal challenges as well to uh, to that ranking decision most notably uh, Mandy Bujold when that's still uh, that's still out the jury so to speak is still out on that one or the court yep. of arbitration for sport I should say is still out on that one. Uh, yeah. But as soon as we hear back, we'll we'll let you know on that. But we won't be hearing exactly how they've divvied everything up uh, as far as those spots go for North versus South versus Central America and everything else until uh, that's released in June. But as things sit right now, if you're just looking at just points, 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 uh, yeah, we, we weirdly wouldn't be seeing too many U.S. fighters. That, that'll change between now and the games, though, for sure. There's no way you're keeping the Americans out. Absolutely. Alrighty. Thanks very much, Christian. Appreciate it. And uh, I hope there's some news uh, that pops up on your radar for tomorrow's episode because that was quite a, quite a mouthful today. <laughs> well, there's always something going on. Good. <laughs> Thanks very much. We'll see you tomorrow.
We'll talk then.